2 Samuel chapter 8. After this, David struck the Philistines and subdued them. And David took the bridle of the mother city out of the hand of the Philistines. He struck Moab and measured them with the line, making them to lie down on the ground. And he measured two lines to put to death and one line to keep alive. The Moabites became servants to David and brought tribute. David also struck Hadadezer, the son of Rehob, the king of Zobar, as he went to recover his dominion at the river. David took from him 1,700 horsemen and 20,000 footmen. David hamstrung all the chariot horses, but reserved of them for 100 chariots. When the Syrians of Damascus came to help Hadadezer, the king of Zobar, David struck 22,000 men of the Syrians. Then David put garrisons in Syria of Damascus, and the Syrians became servants to David and brought tribute. David gave victory, uh, Yahweh gave victory to David wherever he went. David took the shields of gold that were on the servants of Hadadezer and brought them to Jerusalem. From Betar and from Beratai, cities of Hadadezer, King David took a great quantity of bronze. When Toi, king of Hamath, heard that David had struck all the army of Hadadezer, then Toi sent Joram his son to King David to greet him and to bless him because he had fought against Hadadezer and struck him. For Hadadezer had wars with Toi. Joram brought him vessels of silver, vessels of gold, and vessels of bronze. King David also dedicated these to Yahweh, with the silver and the gold that he dedicated, of all the nations which he, which he subdued, of Syria, of Moab, of the children of Ammon, of the Philistines, of Amalek, of the plunder of Hadadezer the son of Rehob, the king of Zobar. David earned a reputation when he returned from striking down 18,000 men of the Syrians in the Valley of Salt. He put garrisons in Edom. Throughout all Edom he put garrisons, and all the Edomites became servants to David. Yahweh gave victory to David wherever he went. David reigned over all Israel, and David executed justice and righteousness for all his people. Joab, the son of Zeruiah, was over the army. Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahilud, was the recorder. Zadok, the son of Ahitub, and Ahimelech, the son of Abiathar, were priests. Sariah was the scribe. Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was over the Kerethites and the Pelethites. And David's sons were chief ministers. So this is a summary chapter, and it describes a lot of little different wars. It describes them very succinctly. So this is a big period of time that's been compressed, where David has defeated armies A, B, C, D, E, etc. And uh, if you think about um, when Joshua came over the Jordan River and they started conquering the land, and they started conquering in Joshua's lifetime before he died, they conquered a big chunk of Israel, but there were sections they never conquered, like the area of the Philistines, for example. Um, but now David, he, he not only completely conquers the land of Israel where the 12 tribes were, he conquers way past. So he conquers the Edomites, the Moabites, the Arameans, King Zobar, the Amalekites, right up into Damascus area, and as we're gonna find out later, even up into Mesopotamia. So if you think about that, if you think about that in terms of the modern world, this is all of Israel, including 
the Gaza Strip and the West Bank, all of that has been conquered. A huge big chunk of the country of Jordan, a chunk of Egypt, a chunk of Syria, and a part of Iraq, um, and possibly a part of Lebanon, but I'm not sure about that. So you can see that quite a few of the countries in today's map, David controlled parts of all of that. And it's what has been called the Empire of David, or the, the Israelite Empire. So David not only conquers everything the Lord tells him to conquer, but it goes beyond. The Lord gives him all this land and beyond. And uh, the Philistines, for example, they've been such a major threat to Saul for so long, but that chapter says that, that David took the bridle of the, the main city from the Philistines. You think about a horse, the bridle, is what you use to control the horse. David takes the control of the Philistines and now he's in control. And from this time on, we don't hear anything more from the Philistines in terms of them controlling, conquering, or being uh, you know, a threat. From this point on, they're subdued. And um, David defeats Moab. It says there that he laid down the men on the ground and he killed two and spared the third. So he, he wiped out two-thirds of the Moabite army. And, uh, you know, he was, he was very, very... Uh, he, he overcome strongly. He defeated every enemy. Now, um, this, this is a picture of Jesus Christ. And uh, in uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, it says that Christ triumphed over Satan and humiliated him. You know that when, when um, Satan deceived Adam and Eve, he became what the Bible calls the prince of the power of the air. He became what Jesus called the prince of this world. And uh, you know, when Jesus was on his way to the cross, he said, the prince of this world has come. Um, so Jesus was on his way to the cross. And when Jesus was being tempted, Matthew chapter 4, the devil offered Jesus all the kingdoms of, kingdoms of this earth if he would only bow down and worship him. So Satan was basically not only the Lord's enemy, but he was the prince of this world or the king of this world. But Jesus, after he came back from the cross, he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So go and make disciples. Jesus when he went to the cross, multiple things happened. Now, one of the things that happened at the cross was that you and I were forgiven of our sins, and that's wonderful. But another one of the things that happened was he just completely destroyed the power of the devil. And Jesus, what David did here in this summary chapter of all the defeating of all his enemies is what Jesus did in one day on the cross and what Colossians describes as the humiliation of the devil. The devil was so humiliated and Jesus triumphed over him. And uh, <laughs> um, in, in a Roman Triumph, there's a motorbike today that's called a Triumph. And uh, it's, you know, it's supposed to give you this sense of oh, tr a triumphant feeling. But a Triumph was an actual thing. When the Roman soldiers would, when the Roman army would conquer an enemy and completely destroy them properly, and there were rules that you know, they had to at least have destroyed 5,000 enemy soldiers, and there were other things that had to be completed for it to be counted as worthy of a triumph. But when an, uh, an emperor or a, a general would, would defeat uh, you know, an enemy good enough to be granted a triumph, um, they would have this thing called a triumph. And General Titus was one of the ones that did this in his defeat in Jerusalem. And a triumph was where they would bring the spoils of war, and instead of killing the leaders of the enemy army, they would bring them along too, 
and in chains. They would get to the city Rome and they would wait outside Rome and then they would, uh, the city would prepare itself and they would enter in through an arc, an arc du triomphe. And there's one in Paris, a big model of the Arch of Titus. It's not the actual Arch of Titus, it's a model. But on that arch in um, Paris, the Arc de Triomphe, you can see underneath the, the copy, well, you can see the picture of the, the Jewish captives being brought into Rome after the defeat of Jerusalem in AD 70. That's just one of the many triumphs that they had in Rome. But they would bring in the, the people, the leaders of the army that they had captured in chains naked. It was a, a, a public humiliation. And they would bring them into the city with all the spoils of war and then when they would get to the end of the march, they would kill them right there in front of everybody and sacrifice them to their gods. Well, we read that you know Christ triumphed over the, over the enemy and we just think, yay, he had a great victory, but it was an actual thing. And when it says that Christ triumphed over the devil, he was publicly humiliated. He was stripped naked. In, in the spirit realm, everyone could see that he was dethroned he was ashamed, he was chained. And from that time on, the gospel has gone out into the world and had more and more effect in changing nations. The gospel or the, the message of Christ couldn't change nations up to that point. Even though the gospel, you know, or the, the word of God was in the world, but from the time of Christ, it has changed the world. And so David here is a picture of someone that defeats his enemies everywhere he goes, he's a picture of Christ. And Christ has come into the world and he has defeated his enemies and we're in Christ. Now at the end of this chapter, it mentions the, a short list of, uh, you know, so-and-so was the priest and so-and-so was the scribe. And it says, Beniah was the head of the Kerithites and the Pelophites. Now, who are these groups? <laughs> They're mentioned in the Bible a few times. And it seems like they are David's special bodyguards. So these were foreigners, they were not Israelites, they were mercenary soldiers, but there was just a small group of them and they were very, very loyal to David and they made it their business to protect him. And I thought that this is talking to us. I thought that you and I, we're called to be the Kerithites and the Pelophites. We are called to be the Lord's armor bearers. We're called to protect the Lord. Now, it's not that the Lord needs protecting. <laughs> it's not like if we don't um, stand up for him, he's going to die or anything will happen. But, you know, in a, in a sense, when we go around the earth, there are people who devalue the Lord. They hate the Lord. They attack him. But we're called to stand up for him. We're called to defend the Lord. We're called to protect him. We do it with our prayers. We do it by speaking truth. And so you and I are called to be Kerithites and Pelophites on the ground, in the flesh, in person, the Lord's bodyguard. So there you go. <laughs> Will you take up your, your shield and your sword for the Lord? Will you be his bodyguard? Father, I ask you to help us. Lord, I thank you for Christ's victory over the enemy. I thank you that for the triumph of Christ. I thank you, Lord, that when you said it is finished, it really was finished. But now, Lord, we are putting in place on the earth, in time, Lord, the victory of Christ. And I pray that every heart would be one to the Lord. Lord, through the surrendering of lives to Christ, Lord, that people would learn how to love and to serve, to be faithful and help us, Lord, to defend Christ through our prayers and through our service. Not, Lord, through, uh, Lord, through demanding our rights, Lord, not through 
misrepresenting you, but through graciousness, through service. Help us to be the bodyguard of the Lord. Give us these graces, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.